This is Sea Stories, lives touched by the sea. Leave of a bottle of rum aboard us, folks. We're not giving you rum now, but there's one to split it a can between us. Fair play. Well, the, bo- the bottle wasn't at the drink here, but well, the day you launched the boat. Oh, yeah. We got that bloody busy. We never even drank the bottle. Thanks. So I was head about the bottle of rum. I don't know how old it is. It's an awful long time ago, because we actually pushed... Was an Everard tanker come in? Did you ever hear of Everard? No. Cheers. 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 Got a bottle of rum off the captain for giving the ship a push. Can't believe that. Miles away. <laughs> it's not Guinness. It's it's Diet Coke, right? Diet Coke. So we kept the ship was in trouble. He was docking. You're talking about the one rudder. Yeah. He was docking one, then he got into difficulties. So I gave him a push at the point about which we're not supposed to do. And when he's finished, pilot came down. So there you are, Richard. There's a present from the captain. Thanks very much. A bottle of four bell rum. That's the good stuff now. So we'll be drinking it shortly. This is Sea Stories, Lives Touched by the Sea, a radio documentary series for East Coast FM. Hello and welcome to Sea Stories our series about lies touched by the sea. I'm John Murphy, and in today's programme, we're on the Liffey. We're with Richie Saunders from Ringsend, Dublin. We'll be finding more about his remarkable story behind the last Dublin ferry, Number 11, which was owned and operated by Dublin City Council and which was used to ferry passengers and workers from one side of the Liffey to the other in the years and decades before the East Link toll bridge. We'll also be finding out about Richie's life at sea with Irish shipping, and we'll discover just why two rowing clubs, St Patrick's and Selamars, are so successful in the East Coast regattas. We'll also be hearing from Garoy the Cornelia about a boat which is more commonly found on the western seaboard, which has now found a home on the Liffey. Sea Stories. Lives touched by the sea. Well, my name is Richard Saunders and I'm from Ringsend, St. Patrick's Willis. It's my mother's home and um, kind of crazy about boats, as you all say. It made me my lifelong career on it. All that things I've restored the Dublin City Council's number 11 ferry, and it took me four years. When Richie talks about restoring, he's talking about working on a bare hull. Into it go the engine, the steering, the propellers, the piping, the wiring, the life-saving equipment, and the hull itself had to be painstakingly chipped of rust by hammer and chisel. This alone took two years. The other good thing about the ferry is the cab on it is off number nine, so there's a little bit of the two ferries left. That's what we have, but that's where we are at the moment. When I got the ferry, a fella named Anto owned it in, in work, and it was in the dry dock on the North Wall. And he actually, I was volunteered to help him now, restore it, but he never got around to it. And as soon as he, he just told me he was leaving the job, I asked him, what's he doing with the ferry? And he said, well, you're interested, Richie. He said, you can have it for a nominal sum. Yeah, so that's, that's what happened. That's how I took it. Describe her. Well... She's 35 foot long, she's 9 foot 6 in beam, and her freeboard's about a metre and a half in the water. <clears throat> she was originally licensed to carry 60 passengers and two crew, but now we have a licence for 12 passengers. That's the kind of a, a knock-off limit for a lot of boats. Yeah. Even, even the rubber ducks they'll see going across, yeah. they can only carry 12. Yeah. Right. So, she was idle when she went out commission in seven, uh, 84 and that she the, the licence lapsed that on that way. 
So when I got it then, she was in an awful state. And it's a complete rebuild. We put a whole new bottom place in the stern, completely, nearly six foot into her. Well, I know every inch of her because I had yeah. to, the surveyor even said to me, you know, he's saying to me, Richie, well, which way do you think of the hole is? Well, I said, I can guarantee it because I'd chip every bit of it. Yeah. I went over every inch of this hole with a chipping hammer and grinders and all kind of scale removal stuff. It took four years. Four years I'd hard. say the, the first two years was doing the hole itself. We started on the, the sides right away on the deck and... As we were doing that, we were finding any, any rot we found, right, we just eliminated it, marked it off, skipped it and carried on with the painting. We had all the painting done on the whole boat and then we went back over the damage and we whipped it off. When I was working here, there'd be two ferries here at 7 o'clock in the morning. There was at least 500 dockers working on the docks. And, and the, the, the main thing here was they weren't employed permanently. If there's, say, three ships arrived during the night, they were looking for a cruise. Whoever got over there and got into the read room, you had a chance of getting a job. But if you were late, if you missed it earlier, Freddie, the jobs would be gone when you got over. Yeah, so this is the way it was. Yeah. It was a hungry time. You had to go and get to work. One more, and see that we have spring tides at the moment. You couldn't get into the slip there. And I brought the Freddie in over there. The other Freddie had broke down. There's hundreds of people up. Nobody's supposed to take 60. But 60 was the largest number. And I swear there was 80 on the ferry going across there. So it wouldn't get off. No. Right? So could you imagine that now? That boat would have been about two feet out of water going across the river. And I was young then, I wasn't worried about it either. I would worry now, all right, you know. Yeah, I know. I think that the more you do, the more you worry. Yeah. yeah. Richie recognised that this ferry was more than just a floating craft. He wanted to preserve an important piece of Dublin maritime history. This was really a labour of love. The ferry is maritime history of Dublin Port. Yeah. And we scrapped every damn thing else we had. We have, I mean, yeah. we have. Yeah. and this is about the only thing around Left, yeah. that was original. We had such history. There was great material for a, 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 a like a you know a project to. I'll give you one instance. There's a container boat in the dry dock over there, right? And it was halfway through the job, and it was an Irish container boat. It's about the only one we have. Yeah. That's another company we forgot to mention. Yeah. I don't know the name of the company. Yeah. Um, but it's the biggest container boat we ever had in this country. I was in the dry dock, and there's an elderly man looking at me all day with grey hair, right? And eventually he came over and he says to me, I was getting stuff out of my car, he says, is that one of the Dublin Corporation ferries? I said, there is. He said, I used to travel on that when I was a child. And I walked on the north wall later in life, and he said, I was going back and forth on that ferry every day. He said, very fond memories. Now, this is what I'm getting from everybody. Yeah. Very fond memories of that. And he said, what are you going to do? And I said, I'm going to try and save it as a ferry. And he said, here's what he said to me. See that ship there, he said. If you want any paint or anything, he says, you go and see the force officer and tell him I sent you. And I said, Are you the agent? No, see, I'm the owner. <laughs> Would you believe that now? That's great, isn't it? He yeah. offered me anything on that ship that I yeah. was. That's how he, that's what he thought of the ferry. Isn't it see, great? People have a great connection like that. Yeah. Every, I mean, imagine every morning going to work, it's the way you did it, and also with the pressure of being here early and the whole thing. It's a, it's a way of life. This it's is gone. as regular as the, the bus, you know. Probably more regular. Huh? <laughs> Probably more regular. Yeah, it was there, you know. You just had... The only thing is, if you missed it and it was going to crash, have to wait for it to come back. back. No, yeah. that's, that's it, you know. This is Sea Stories. Lives Touched by the Sea. A radio documentary series for East Coast FM.
You're listening to Sea Stories, live touched by the sea. I'm John Murphy. We'll be coming back to ferry number 11 later, but first, let me find out more about Richie's airy life at sea. My life at sea is, I was in the Sea Scouts first, so I was out rowing at these kind of boats anyhow. Yeah. They wouldn't have been as good as them. Oh, and we had a go at that, and then when I grew up, I did really want to go to sea, and I used to help out in the lock gates over here. Right. The ships were in and out there every day for the gas company and grain boats. So I'd be helping the lads open the gates. And then one year, I didn't know, one of the lads actually a shop steward in order for the Seabills Union. Do you want to go to sea, Richie? Why didn't you tell me? <laughs> I had never asked him. Well, next thing I was away on an oar shipping. Uh-oh. And it was, them, it was at them for nine years. Well, it was home, actually home on year, <coughs> off a ship. And one of the old ferries was in collision here with one of the cattle boats that was going up the river. Oh, I remember those, yeah. Right. And what happened was the driver was suspended right away. Out, get out, the ferry. And the... Um, one of my pal's father was the superintendent down there. And he said, is there any of your mates out in the sea that knows how to drive a boat? And he says, yeah, Richie's home. So that's how he ended up straight down here. Had to go with the ferry. The department were in, come out with me. Had to see how to drive if I could. That's OK. And I was here for about uh, nine months and I got fed up with that and I went back. Because it was... What happened? When you're, when you're at sea, you kept looking down there. See the horizon. No, the ships, the ships were still oh, coming yes. in. Like, and I said... There's the, the one I was on, and that one, I still had that bloody mad urge, so I went back to sea then. But I met me, I met me future wife that year, anyway. Yeah. And what, uh, what ships did you sail on, Irish? Uh, Irish Alder, Irish Blackthorn, Irish Spruce, Irish Poplar, Irish Rowan, Irish Cedar, Irish Elm. And the Poplar was on the North Atlantic run, Dublin, you could sail from here straight to New York Harbor. General. General cargo run. And we'd go all around it. <coughs> go around the Yankee coast, discharge and load, and back to Dublin, Waterford, Cork. It was a great time to have the Irish flag on ships like that. Fantastic. Oh, we were, well, I mean, not only not only were was the ships flying the Irish flags, a complete Irish crew. Yeah. Uh, from all over Ireland, it wasn't just. No, no I know. Yeah. Everybody was from everywhere, and the Irish Rowan was built in Cork, and the issue was launched with Devalier's wife, and we were way here on that, and that was that was a. Uh, not only was it an Irish ship, it was built in Ireland, crewed by Irishmen, sailing all over the world. So we're real proud of that, you know. And the Irish Elm was the same, she was built in Cork. I remember the Elm and I remember yeah. the Poplar. Yeah. The Poplar was absolutely what you call a real handsome ship. Yeah. Looked. Yeah, they're not like really that anymore. Looked. No, they're big boxes now, you know. The Elm was a big ugly thing too, I have to say. Uh, I was through the panel on the Irish Rowan. It was through the Panama de Orish Elm. It was up the, it was up the Mississippi and the Orish Rhone. It was up the river in Houston. It was up the, the Columbia River and the Orish Rhone. It was up the Great Lakes and the Orish Rhone. It was in New York and the Orish Rhone. The same year, someone said, have you any experience in rivers? This is up every big river in America. Which Richie's training in Irish shipping certainly stood him in good stead when he returned to take up a job on one of the pilot boats operated by Dublin Port. And what's in the little cabin in the bow? Right now, we're back aboard the fully restored ferry number 11, and Richie's giving me the grand tour. I have a light check over every passenger you carry. You must wear them when, when you're travelling. It's all part of your Hartman Marine specifications. Oh, there's the steering lines. Oh, I see. Yeah. Yeah. It's original. Yeah. This is, this is Roger. <laughs> and... Second crew, I'll tell you what he's for. He used to keep the turns off the boat. 
And there's his Rogers pal down there, the Yule. Oh yeah, does that work? That's all, it yeah. does, because when you get turns in here, they'll attack you if they nest on the boat. Oh yeah, because they you're give you like, hell. Yeah. yeah. I think it's their boat then. Yeah. Well, it becomes theirs, yeah. It does, yeah. So inside here, it's just all we have is life jackets, tools, and we have a fuel tank in here as well. Now, if you look in here, right, got that's a fuel filter there, so that's all the work we had to do. Yeah. It just didn't repair. It's much better now. It didn't repair the whole only. We had to put all new pipe in it. That's lovely stainless steel pipe. Right. Yeah. They insist on that. That's part yeah. of the specs. So that's all new. Everything in the boat was new. The tank is original and it's still working. The gauge is still working. And we had to re I've done all the word myself as well. So it's a study. I used to sit at home studying. Marine electronics. The best way to do it, like? We, we were studying marine electronics there for about a year, just keep reading and reading and reading. And barely did my head somewhere. So. Lovely and solid, though, isn't she? Yeah, she is. She's eight and a half ton weight now. And you have no balance there in thrusters? You just no, use a... no. But when we train now, you know, then that's no problem. No. It would be nice to have a balance thruster, but we haven't got one. See the life raft? Yeah. That's one of the original ones off it, which I got back by luck. Yeah. Another boat sank outside the canal there, and that was found drifting down the river by the pilot boat. I got it off the port. Yeah. Was it was abandoned, and I cleaned it up, and it is off the ferry. It's good. Enough to so have it's that. the original. Yeah. So well, that holds six people in the water, and we have nine life boys. They all there's nine of them. One up there. Each one of them will hold two people. So we're, and it's plus oil life jacket, so everything's covered in the eventual yeah, there's an accident. Your licensing, yeah. yeah. Everyone has a life jacket and there's life life saving equipment. This engine there was a, it's a nanny diesel. Right, sixty horsepower. The engine goes lower to the sea. See the boat's full of water. It's sucking water through the exhaust. The, the big box underneath here. We we'll come back to Richie in a moment to hear about the rowing clubs and their facilities. While we were recording about the Dublin ferry, we spotted a strange sight: four men carrying a boat over their heads across the East Link Bridge and taking it down to the river's edge. I had to find out more. This would be the real old type now, you know. Yeah. It would be there. canvas, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, well, that actually is fiberglass. Garage O'Connella. I'm living in Dublin. Living in Dublin. Originally from Inisir Oren, Inisir. And we do uh, we do a bit of rowing up and down the Liffey. When we go up and down at any time, you have a longer season. Yes. That somebody that would be based in the west of Ireland yeah, or, yeah. or a lot of other places because you're covered in, you know. And it's lovely here if you go up at high tide. Because at the moment now you have the two walls, it's low tide. But if you go up at high tide, it looks better. Yeah, it does. Yeah. You're nearer to the people that's walking and that, you know. We, 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 we leave the current part and rings in. Describe it. Can you describe it? How it would normally be built? And, and the, this is the, so you've added the fiberglass to an original pattern, is that it? That would that, that, be the, the, the timber frame. Yeah. The timber frame, of course, would be... This, this would be built first. On the floor, yeah, uh, that, that'd be built, and then it, it'd be turned over, 
the cannabis will be stitched and paired and sliced off and you know to the to the right pattern oh, and yeah. then the tar will be put, put on it and are they they're, are they stable? It certainly looks look seaworthy because of the rise in the bow. Are they stable? Or are and they are. They are. Well, well, exactly. Yeah. It depends on you know if you have a good crew. If you have a good crew, know what they're they're, they're doing. They reckon we'll go through a twenty foot wave anyway, and the, and the rest. Because it rises up with the yeah, yeah, raised yeah, yeah, bow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you have the right raised raised bow. The bow now, I, 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 as far as I know, on the Neewog, and 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 down around Kerry and that. That's 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 a lower bow. Yeah. You know. But that's at the with the West of Ireland Corrug, you'd have the. You'd it, have the this well, is what people expect in a current yeah, shape. Yeah. And they see it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how yeah. did you get involved in the current? Was it something your family did before you, or? I'm sure. I mean, we we were we were born and reared. Yeah. Well, not so much me to be honest with you, but but the area I come from. Yeah. We we we, we did our socialising with, you could say, in Corrugs, because say people used to go over to do it. And they might they might go over and have a few pints and come back later in the evening. It was a taxi, <laughs> and you'd go to Englishman, yeah. down the Englishman, on the other side. So, you know, you'd yeah. stay over there for a few hours or maybe stay overnight, and come over in the morning. They 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 leave the colour, they turn it and they leave it leave it up, and the, the young lads, they take the colour out and they go for a spin in the colour. <laughs> And they used to call that a bodoruch. A bodoruch. Yeah. That's much better than playing on Facebook now. Yeah. <laughs> you should be walking back across the bridge and over your, on your back. You know the lads, four lads. It's eight feet going across the bridge to the curve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Over yeah. taking pictures. You know? Yeah, yeah. That was Garoy the Canelia, originally from Inishman, but now living in Dublin with his Kirk. You're listening to Sea Stories, Lives Touched by the Sea. We're now back with Ringsend native Richie Saunders to find out more about the two rowing clubs, the Stalamars and St. Patrick's. Both were founded in the 30s, fierce rivals in the East Coast regattas, but are almost co-located here on the Liffey. Richie tells me about the facilities that are provided by the Dublin City Council. The rowing club here, we're really enjoying it now because well, this is great. we have a beautiful facility here. Um, Dublin City Council disrupted the club for nearly 10 years, building a service tunnel beside us. So... Um, they seen that we weren't, we were good people and were interested in youth of the area. They provide us with this, not the big pontoon at the end, excess gangway and yeah. the, the pontoon that goes with it. Someone was asked me that, what's the age groups for the crews? It's actually under 14, but if you looked at some of the crews here earlier on, they're only under 10. It's great and, though, yeah, it? and when they're under 14, they'd be experts, not beginners, you know what I mean? So that's, this is what happens to some of the other clubs. They don't bring the kids in that young. And when they go out of 14 years, only starting, their kids might be little skinny fellas, and they roll them to death, you know. But if you talk about between 10 and 14, the, the, the experience they pick up then. Now what happens? What happened there this morning? We had to row up the river, and we threw the boys in with the girls. So the years ago, it was just boys, you know. Yeah. Now the girls and boys row together, and it's brilliant. So what you get in the club, anyhow, is not just rowing. You learn how to manage a boat on your own. You have, you know, it shows a little boat earlier on. You go out rowing on your own and you learn how to handle a boat, two oars. You learn responsibility, teamwork is most of it, and comradeship, so you get, that's what you get here. Yeah. And a lot of the people are here, for, I'm here since I was 16, and a lot of the, most of the members are here. You stay for life if they don't yeah. move out of the city. It's easy to see why St. Patrick's Rowing Club is so successful. Many of the young rowers can trace their lineage right back to the hobbers who rowed out to the sailing vessels in years gone by. 
The port has ambitious plans to bring in ever bigger liners and to bring them right up the Liffey into the heart of the city. It's something Richie is looking forward to and it's a statement to the continuing development of Irish maritime story. And while the city enjoys the continuing opportunities that are present, Richie Saunders has no plans to put his feet up either. I'm only after retiring, so I haven't had time to go anywhere yet. I'm busy here this year. as busy as you were before. Very busy this year. I'm after making um, eight hours for the club. That was since I retired. And we've repaired a few boats as well. Running running repairs, you know. There's another product. See the little boat there? Yeah, it's nice. I bought that and it's nearly 80 year old. It's a lake boat. I bought it at Mulligar. And the idea with that is... It's all the elder members that are not actually in competitive round can go out for round their own. And it'll take three people around two hours each if you want. But it's, it's actually reversed to me. All the kids are going out with it. Young children are going out round and they're actually enjoying it. Because it's, it's not serious round, you know what I mean? It's, it's not, no, it's, yeah, it's solid and not heavy. That's it for this edition of Sea Stories. Check out our website, seastories.ie, where you'll find photos of the number 11 ferry, Ritchie and even some tall ships, plus other content and more programmes. I'm John Murphy. Join me next time on Sea Stories. Next time on Sea Stories. The idea is, and especially when we have trade winds sailing like this, the idea is to get us there safely with the least damage to the vessel or the crew. Minimal, right? And at the end of it, for everyone to put their arms around one another and say, yes, that was a good experience. That was a life-changing experience. I've taken probably hundreds of people across the Atlantic and other oceans sailing, but, and every time I, I say it, and I said it to you, I think at the beginning, I said, whatever else it is, it will be a life-changing experience. Your life will never be quite the same after you've done an Atlantic crossing. And regardless of what... Um, people say and they often say everyone's doing it these days I often say name me a couple of people that you know that have done it and they and they rarely can Sea Stories Lives Touched by the Sea was presented by John Murphy and produced by Pat Hannan Find out more information about Sea Stories Go to facebook.com forward slash Sea Stories Ireland or follow Sea Stories on Twitter, at Sea Stories IRL. It was a 21st Century Vox production for East Coast FM and was made with the support of the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland. With funding from the Television Licence Fee.